Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. The NFL obviously investigating the Titans and possibly forfeiting their game against the Bills if they're unable to play. Do you feel that you guys kind of got the short end of the stick with that? And if they do realize that they should forfeit the game, do you think they consider forfeiting your game as well? Uh, I don't think they'll consider forfeiting our game. And of course, we got the short end of the stick. That's Ben Roethlisberger, Steelers quarterback. I think he's spot on. They're not going to forfeit that game. And if somebody else gets a freebie win and you don't and you lose your bye week, well, yeah. But, PK, you want to tell us about fair again? No such thing. Yeah. Don't the Steelers know it right now? I got to admit, I'm a little surprised that they're going to go with uh, forfeits. I really thought that they'd push the playoffs back a week and uh, try to plug games in there because we had on Mark Harlan a couple months ago and he was telling us how one Pac-12 football game is worth $5 million. I'm imagining NFL football games are worth more than that, but... We'll see where the NFL goes with this and uh, rescheduling games. There's uh, a chance some of these games will be played on just short a couple of players. We've seen the games push back a day, but with the Raiders and the uh, Chiefs uh, maybe in trouble because of the Raiders, I just, I just can't imagine how many games they want to lose. You know, the Patriots practice facility is closed. Are they going to lose the Patriots and the Broncos too? Seems like they'd be rescheduling these games. There's a lot of money at stake. Yeah, I'm glad we got you, because I don't want to follow this, but you do, so we're good to go. Our audience will be informed. The New Orleans Saints are not anticipating having to leave the city due to Hurricane Delta. They plan to play that Monday Night Football game with the Chargers in the Superdome. As scheduled, play on. Would you like to talk about... A coach getting fired. Well, he's gone now, but what do the Houston Texans do without Bill, Bill O'Brien? People still digging into the backstory there. J.J. Watt and Bill O'Brien had a, a verbal altercation leading up to the Week 3 loss with the Steelers. And that's when O'Brien lost the team. Well, they had an 0-4 start. I think that's what matters the most. I think you're right. That, and he probably lost a lot of credibility with the trade in the offseason. A lot of people wondering what the <laughs> heck he was doing. How many times are you going to bring that up? Yeah, until they get a new coach. <laughs> New got GM, one. you know. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. College football tonight, the University of Houston. They have tried to kick off the season several times. Haven't been able to play the game. They're going to try again tonight. Tulane, 530 on ESPN. This is coming off a four-win season. They had a pretty good run of six or seven years. When the kind of teams that would be a good test for BYU... So are they bouncing back from that bad year, or are they going to go out there tonight and struggle, and BYU is going to work Houston too? I guess we can all watch the game and try to figure out what Houston's all about, PK. Okay, well, you watch it and you let me know, man. Oh, you're going to watch it too. I'm going to flick on. I don't know that I'm going to watch it. I may uh, check into it, but I wouldn't say I'm going to watch it. There's too much other stuff going on tonight. You'll have to see with the baseball playoffs and that game in the NFL game which one you like the best. Bucks and Bears tonight. So, oh, I like bright and high, man. I got to be there tonight. That's where I'm going to be. Go Bengals. The Max in with a six-game league-only slate. The first three weeks, they're going to do their Max in midweek thing. So there'll be even more football. Yawk is now fist-pumping at the air. I love midweek matching. Love your midweek matching? I love football any night of the week. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. No balls, no strikes. And Tatis with a fly ball to center field. And deep. Bellinger going back to the wall. He leaps and makes a spectacular catch. Cody Bellinger robs Tatis of a two-run home run. His glove was six or seven inches over the yellow line and straightaway center. A spectacular catch. The Dodgers beat the Padres 6-5. Cody Bellinger also homered in that game, plus he robs Fernando Tatis Jr. there. Dodgers got a little dicey there in the ninth, PK, but they got out of it after giving up two runs and loading the bases. Yeah, a lot of thoughts on that, that Bellinger might be the only guy on that Dodger team because he's the tallest guy who could make that catch. 
You know, I have Pollock 6'3", Mookie Betts a little smaller, Jock Peterson, uh, I don't remember if he was in the game because they brought him in as a pinch hitter. Uh, but Bellinger going back, and yeah, I mean, clearly that was a two-run home run. He took it back, and it did get dicey. It's funny, as I look at the Dodgers, you know, over the last few years, they've got a lot of homegrown people that they've promoted and been pitching. They've got, uh, obviously, Mookie Betts, uh, uh, Pollock that they signed as a free agent. But it doesn't seem that they've done anything to address the closer situation. Kenley Jansen is, wow, it's always a, not always, but a lot of times it's a pins and needles situation, and certainly that was the case. I mean, you look at the Padres, though, I and mean, they got a lot of professional hitters in that lineup. And as I was watching that game, I was thinking that, you know, it's fun to have the playoffs extend. There's a couple of things that came to mind, is that Kershaw versus Davis, kid who grew up in the Phoenix area, uh, not a fair matchup, you know. It should have been Lament against uh, Kershaw, but they don't have their top two guys to injury. But then I also thought, too, that I think MLB screwed it up because you look over there at Atlanta, and they're having a cakewalk. Yeah. And you take in the second round, you have the Dodgers that were on pace for 115 wins or what it was, and then the Padres were right on their heels to an extent. They weren't that far behind. They were a 100-pace win, I would think, uh, uh, what they had going on. So it seems like these two, they shouldn't have played in this round and have the Braves over there barely having to make a break a sweat to a degree. Now, Braves have been getting great pitching, but how much of that is crummy hitting by the opponent? And it just doesn't seem quite as fair. So I think they should have just done away, done like the NBA. We're going to seed you one through eight, and it doesn't really matter what happens in your individual division. Now, I get that this year, well, they had the regional schedule. Yeah, well, that made it even harder for the Padres then because they had to play the Dodgers more than anybody else. And they still had a a, a big-time record. So that was going through my mind. I was watching that game. That This has been, and last night was just an incredible game. There was no doubt about it. It had all sorts of twists and turns. And it just seems unfair from the San Diego perspective that they're getting in the second round. But fairness is what it is, which isn't. And there you go. I guess they have to decide if they're going to stay with this format. Although this could bite you in the old format, even if they go back to it, too. Uh, You know, are you rewarding the team with the best record? Because the Dodgers are not getting rewarded with this draw. Or you would want to reward all the division champs, right? Uh, why should a wild card get an easier path? So you're trying to penalize the wild card or you're trying to reward the team with the best record because there are times you just can't do both. So which is more important? Well, uh, the division champs, there's yeah, I know. it means nothing. If that doesn't mean anything to you, then you should reward the team with the best record. Which is what the NBA yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they don't even have really divisions anymore. It doesn't matter. Now, for baseball, it's a little bit different because of the number of games and, and all that stuff and, and how they play it out and you play your division. I think in a regular season when you play them 18, 19 times, and obviously from baseball's perspective, they want the Yankees in Boston on television on Sunday nights as many chances as they could possibly get. I don't think those two teams ever play a midweek series. It seems like it's always a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe not. Uh, so, you know, money's involved. But I would like the best matchups. And this is a great matchup. But it's only five games. I would like to see it have seven. I'd like to see more of it. Because now for the Padres, the opportunity to come back and win three looks awfully difficult. Whereas if it were seven, it wouldn't be as difficult. So that Cody Bellinger play was obviously a really good play. And it doesn't, there's anything subtle about a guy leaping above the wall to steal a home run and bring it back in the yard and all that. But was it the best defensive play of the day? Did you see Nick Marcakis, the... That uh, wedge shot into right field, and he plays it like he's going to catch it. So the runner at first doesn't know, I can't get doubled off, so I can't go too far, but I don't want to be forced out at second. And the ball did take just a beautiful hop, and he was able to barehand it and throw to second for a force play. That was, uh, that was pretty well done. Pitching and defense, and the Braves ride it to a two-zip win over the Marlins and a two-zip lead in the series. Well, Stanton actually had a better play than that, I thought, uh, early on in the Yankee game. He went up against right field and crashed into the fence. It was a phenomenal play. But that would have just put uh, runners on first and second. Bellinger took away two runs. And mentioning the uh, Rays and the Yankees, it's Rays 8-4. Rays are up 2-1 to one in that series. 
And uh, you had to feel pretty good watching that. You were right about Yankees started pitching again. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, that that was obvious. I mean, they without Cole, they're going to struggle. Anytime Cole pitches, they're likely to be the favorite. And when they don't, when he doesn't, they're likely to be the underdog. And, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, just but, there you go. And they're up 2-1. It's why I picked Tampa Bay in the first place. Oakland in trouble against the Astros. Uh, they lost the first two games. They're on the verge of getting swept. Gave up five in the fifth, and they were down 7-4, but three in the seventh, two in the eighth. They battle back, win the game, and extend their season for at least another day. Astros still up two games to one, trying to close it out again, but uh, that was good from Oakland there, battling back. That was a great game. I was watching that. It was in the afternoon, and that's the great thing about baseball. You're not battling the clock. There's no such thing as a clock. You got 27 of them. And the other team's got to get you out all 27 times. So it looked bleak, but they got a couple of singles and then a home run to right field. And next thing you know, it's tied up and momentum switched immediately. They went on one that ball game. Now they got to still win two more, but they looked like they were dead in the seventh. And uh, they came up and, and rose back, fought, fought back. And I'm excited to watch that game. What did you say it was today? Yes, today's schedule, Atlanta's trying to sweep Miami. That's at noon on Fox Sports 1. All closeout games today. Houston trying to close out Oakland at 135 on TBS. And then in primetime, the Yankees and Dodgers in primetime. There's, there's, no, there's no mystery to this. Uh, Tampa Bay and New York, game four in that series is on TBS at 5 o'clock. Dodgers and Padres at 7 o'clock on the MLB Network. So. That's great. What a great night of television. you got Tom Brady going on here yep. tonight, obviously. And then those games, you know, we went through a big, long dry spell. And it's not dry anymore. There's so much no. to choose from. It's uh, in, you got the 5 o'clock with the Yankee game. Then the Houston-Tulane uh, college football game is at 5.30. If you're a BYU fan and you want to try to figure the Cougars out, 6.20, Fox and the NFL Network have... Tom Brady, the Bucks, and the Chicago Bears. Both teams are 3-1. and one. And then the MLB Network has Dodgers and Padres at 7. So that's four different games. Something there ought to entertain you. And the Corner Canyon Chargers are on KJAZ tonight at 7 o'clock. How about that? Go Jackson Dart. Well, they're concerned about that game, so I figure they'll probably only win by about 24. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. Where the goal's going to come from? RSL loses to Seattle 2-1. The Sounders with an own goal there. And RSL beaten by the top team in the West. And if they could have had any one of the four attackers for the Sounders, they would have taken them and plugged them into their lineup. You knew who had the firepower when it started, and it paid off. The Sounders get the win. RSL now on a three-match winless streak. They'll play Vancouver on Saturday, 8 o'clock. That one will be on a neutral field in Portland. Vancouver having to turn that into their home away from home. They can't go back and forth across the border. So back to Portland on the weekend. So they can't go from Washington to Oregon? No. They don't want to leave them on the road after that game in Seattle. Not that I thought you meant Vancouver, Washington. Oh, I see what you did there. Ah. Uh, local knowledge. No. <laughs> Vancouver, British Columbia. Right across the river. Yeah. Vancouver, Washington is just across the river, yeah. How does that work? You do something up there to avoid the sales tax and the property yeah, go tax? To, go to Oregon and you go to buy, or- your, buy your goods. Don't pay to sales lo- tax. Oh, okay. And then Washington. The there it is. Tax. Oh, it's right there. They're right next to each other. Yep. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan scheduled to join us at 830. Craig Bowlerjack at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Preseason media poll came out today for the Pac-12 in the South. USC, Arizona State, Utah, UCLA, Colorado, Arizona. I don't know who's going to complain that much about Utah being behind ASU. I think it's close. What a compliment it is to the Utah football program that they can lose the talent they lost off of last year's team. It's okay. not like they're being disrespected. Except UCLA, Colorado, and Arizona are a disaster. But I understand what you're saying because Utah's to the point now they can have a young team where they're replacing a lot of really good players and still remain in the hunt for the division. 
The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it is time for the question of the day. DJ PK brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Kyle Whittingham is in favor of 10 a.m. Mountain Time kickoffs. What is your opinion? What are you thinking? PK, we've been down this road before. Setting game times for TV. The almighty dollar controlling the kickoff. Is this just the almighty dollar, or is this the almighty dollar plus a recruiting edge? I mean, it's the dollar. It's not not the dollar. (laughs) I think it's the dollar. I mean, I think recruiting is recruiting, and... They'll find just, you at 10 a.m., and if you're recruiting yeah. on the West Coast, they're going to find you. In a, you know, an 8.30 game here is a 7.30 game in California. It's all these California kids you're recruiting. They want a primetime football game. 7.30, there's nothing outrageous about that. Yeah, uh, particularly in a lot of different places where it's not as cold, uh, certainly, too, because yeah. the weather factors in, and the more difficult the weather, the more uncomfortable it can be, obviously. So I, I don't think it's recruiting. I think it's more about the TV exposure and to gain more knowledge about the programs and to a higher profile the conference and all that. But that's my opinion. I'd like to know your opinion, and you have two minutes uninterrupted. <laughs> okay. Kyle Whittingham with the 10 a.m. kickoff. Uh, it is definitely good for the exposure you talk about. It's a huge positive there. One of the big drawbacks was the fans. So this year... That's not an issue. They're not going to have fans at the game. I have heard people complain that, oh, we got to get the kids up at a ridiculous hour. Well, they're getting them up to hit the weight room at 6 a.m. anyway, so how much earlier are they getting them up for this? That doesn't seem like that big a hurdle. And if it were really bad for the kids, I don't think the coaches would be in favor of it because they worry about what their players are going to tell the recruits down the road. So I don't think the players are that down on this. So... I think it's going to happen. Now, obviously, it's already happened for uh, Arizona State and USC in the opener. That one's, And that's 9 a.m. Pacific time, which is even earlier. This is where the Mountain Time is actually going to work. They've already played 11 a.m. games for the Pac-12 network, so I say go for it. Why not? What do you got to lose? That's all your time, Vice President. Go for it. Yeah, see, oh. <laughs> he didn't get that, Yak. Is that because he kept going over on time? No, no. See, he was too busy with the soccer He was too night. busy. Each yeah. time yeah. they would speak, the moderator would say, you have two minutes uninterrupted. It was it's one of the phrases of the night. <laughs> yes, and he apparently, judging by my Twitter timeline, was going over routinely by time. That's all the time of Vice President. Thank you, Vice President. And then Thank you, Vice President. His thought. Keep, kept going. Except he spoke three minutes fewer than your gal did. So, I mean... Keep your partisan politics to yourself there, buddy boy. It is a true story, though. If you time it out, it was a significant difference. No, that lady, whoever she was, every time she would uh, introduce a question, then she would end it with, you have two minutes uninterrupted. And uninterrupted was very clearly stated. Yeah, and she must have said, you have two minutes uninterrupted 20 times. (laughs) But then I just remembered... You were I was calling the game, so I didn't see it. And if I'd been home, the Dodgers and Padres would have been on. So, Oh, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody <laughs> believes that, dog. Okay. In your household, you feast on that stuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I went oh, to Costco boy. during the first debate. Yeah, there's like five trillion ways to watch the debate, yep. Dave. The 70s called, my good friend. <laughs> you could be sitting on the can in Costco and be watching the debate. <laughs> I probably would have been, too. That would have been awesome. Have that blaring behind the door. All People walking in, turning around. You have two minutes under, uh, uninterrupted. <laughs> right. It's the only place you get uninterrupted. <laughs> no, not anymore. That's Everywhere. the whole point. Everywhere I mean, else will track you down. You can watch it, listen to it. Uh, no matter what you're doing, you can still – I was listening to it, flicking back and forth as I had to drive to the Brighton High football field at 9 o'clock last night. So, two minutes uninterrupted. It's going to be a very sharp, crisp performance, though. All that time has been invested. I wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
don't know. I'm just there like uh, like they brought over the brother uh, for uh, uh, Michael <laughs> just prop Corleone. you up at the door. <laughs> I'm just trying to show my face. <laughs> I'm there to uh, make an appearance and make sure I'm seen by one 15-year-old, and then I'm out of there. Your expertise, your level of expertise is pretty minimal in this area. It was area. great, man. It was the best I've ever seen. You know, it's, 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 they just look to make sure you're there, and and then if they want a hot dog, can I have some money? And that's all you're there for. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, I don't. I I think that the conference needs to do it. They needs to. They they rather than just be stubborn about it, just admit that. The time difference now is a weakness. It used to not be, but it clearly is. With television being as powerful as it is, you have to adapt to the changing times. And the reality of the Pac-12 is that they want stuff, TVs, later, and that has diminished your profile. I mean, it's, the, it's just the truth. And you have really nothing to lose in that respect. You can gain something. You may not gain anything, but you won't really know until you try. And I think that going forward, particularly earlier in the season, and when the and in this season's screwy anyway, so I wouldn't even necessarily really count it as a as a true real season. They're just trying to play games to play games and get some money back and, and I'm fine with that. I have no problem with the college sports being a cash grab because there's so many people that rely on it and we need to be uh we need to be realistic and accept things for what they are you know Majerus used to run around about the thing the tournament being Vegas and how bad it was to have to have the players walk through casinos and one night after they won the tournament uh I went back to the hotel and I saw three youths sitting at car tables I mean and one of them wasn't 21 but you know he looked it and so I mean, they were, they were going to do it. You know what I mean? So let's not bury let's our heads in the sand. And let's the not kid ourselves about the what's The exposure really issue is there with the late games. I think they need to come up with another, a number of innovations. As I said, when you get into November and you have a team that's ranked in the college football playoff in the top ten, they shouldn't have to play past 6 o'clock uh, local time. Try to get as much exposure. Just do something with the television. That's where we'll work with you, man. But we need at that point. There's so much at stake that we need to have our games be in a primary situation. You need to work with us a little bit. We can give you material and content, but if it's Oregon versus Utah, I can't have it at eight thirty. Just you got to move it up. So they've got to figure out ways to work around it. And Larry Scott, the idea of, well, we're going to hold true because some Timbuktu cable company has given us more than direct is, so screw you direct. Well, it's actually screw you Pac-12. So I think the thing that needs to happen here with the the kickoffs, the the TV networks uh, clearly need slash want them. You know, there are plenty of good college football games that can kick off just speaking in our time zone, at 1.30 and then in that third window at, you know, 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, whatever, depending on the network. Where the networks are hurting is they don't have enough good content to have games at night, so they're always putting the Pac-12 there, and they kind of have enough for that first 10 a.m. kickoff some weeks. Like, they're running out Oklahoma and Texas, which aren't great teams, but they are brand names, so people will watch them, even if it's to watch and see if, you know, Oklahoma can lose a third game because you resent Oklahoma because they win all the time. They get some good Big 12 and some good Pac-12 games there. They never have good SEC and ACC games at that hour. So... They need the Pac-12 to kick off in that time slot. It would be good for the TV networks. So if you're given something they want, life's a negotiation, you got to be guaranteed, okay, but we need X number of kickoffs in that 130 window and in that, depending on the network, you know, 5 or 6 o'clock or whatever. And we need our elite teams to be in those two windows. Even if they're not top 10, if they're top 15 or whatever, the best couple of teams in the conference – 
that have the brand names, that have the record that year, need to be in those windows so they're seen all across the country. And I think that's the kind of thing that can be negotiated. They have put some Pac-12 games in those 1.30 windows and the 5 or 6 o'clock windows. So you got to negotiate and, and see if you can get that locked in. What do the fans think, you know, because they're the ones who are going to be part of the what you would might possibly call the inconvenience. And I'm wondering, is there such a thing as – tailgating after the game does it always have to be before because if you have a 10 o'clock start you know it's going to be harder and tailgating is that's part of the lore it's part of the fun is you go up wherever it might be and you get up there hours before and you're with your family with your friends it's the experience you know you talk about experience experiencing things well that matters to folks and it's become it's almost become a not a game but it's become an event unto its own it's part of the game. Yes. Now everybody wants their team to win, but the That's tailgating the problem. is part of the issue. But you tailgate, and it's fun before the game because you got the anticipation. I think if you win, it'd be weird, but you could adapt and get used to it. But if you lose, if, if you lose to USC and you know you're not going to win the division, yeah, I don't see how you're going to tailgate and have fun afterwards. And if you get worked... That's no good either. <laughs> you yeah, gotta I mean, win. You gotta win for the tailgate to be fun afterwards. But you're, but you're only you're not doing it six times. You're right about that. You know, it's a one-off. I think that's something that you know can be negotiated. Hey, no team loses more than one home game to that that time slot. You know, and uh, and I think also, and this depends on the place, and you know this because you've lived in in uh, in in Arizona and L.A. But in Utah, and probably in Colorado, and, and maybe up in the Oregon and Washington schools, because they get so much rain and it gets colder up there, you know, if, if you find out you're losing a really good, uh, you know, September evening game, whether it kicks off at 6 or 7 or 8.30, you know, when it's just glorious out. If you're losing one of those, it hurts. But if you tell me, yep, they're going to, Kyle, Kyle and Mark Harlan cut a deal and they signed off on a 10 a.m. kickoff, in the third week in November, you're like, yeah, I didn't really want to be up there at 8.30 at night in the third week in November anyway. That one's not quite as big a hit. And I know that when they first went to the Pac-12 and they were trying to negotiate with all the schools to do weeknight games, we were used to it because the Mountain West had played weeknight games here. Uh, but the rest of the conference wasn't. And um, we can get Chris on, and he'll remember the details, get Chris Hill on, the former Utah athletic director. But they cut some deal going in. And they were volunteering, and they were playing. We'll, we'll play two weeknight games. We're the new guy. We'll play two weeknight home games uh, as long as they're these dates. Well, yeah, I gave them the season opener when you fans were already used to a Thursday night game. And then they were playing a Friday night game on conference weekend the first weekend in October. And so it was kind of like, well, he saw a chance. He picked his spot. He was able to do the conference a favor, and his fans were all about it. He got zero complaints for that. So maybe it's a case of where the youths volunteer and say, hey, we'll give you one of those early kickoffs. It needs to be in November. And then the fans don't lose those September and October games that I think people really savor. Yeah, I don't think it works that way. I don't think the Utah Utes, the Utes are in position to be giving the TV networks anything. They'll be told what to do. They won't be given anything. It will be negotiated on a conference basis, not on an individual school basis. Maybe a non-conference game, but not a conference yeah, game. Yeah, the non-conference game, though, won't help them because that will be the September they want to uh, protect. And you're right because they do have those 6- and 12-day windows. Yeah. And depending on the kind of season they're putting together. Yeah, right. thanks. You're Utah and you're four and six. We don't really need you the third week of November, you know. Right, right. They're, if you're Utah and you're nine and one, we're all about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, and so they'll be told what to do, just like they're unless told the Pac-12 to- can put a uh, you know a marquee opponent in there that the network's always going to want. You know, they're always going to want USC. There, there's a reason USC keeps coming up here for primetime games. Have they played well, three of them now or four? Well, and there's a reason why SC is in the uh, noon kickoff for the first week. It's it's yeah. SC it's and SC, Herm, right? And Herm. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the two draws. It's SC and it's Herm. It's not really even the Sun Devils. It's Herm. <laughs> no, you're, you know, I think you're right, and I think you're right. The, the personalities sell, and yeah. he's got a national rep because of his days as an NFL head coach, and then uh, obviously on ESPN for all. He those has years. the biggest personality of the coaches in the conference right now. Yeah, is it even close? I don't think it is. Uh, Cristobal is making his way. I think folks love the meat and potatoes of what you get of Kyle. Yesterday was basically their media day, and so each coach was on virtually 
for a good long while, too. I mean, Kyle was on for 28 minutes uh, and took questions where they, uh, you know, they have the U Stadium in the background. I think it's a thing on the wall that he's got up at the up the coach's office. And so he sat there. You, did you see where what he wore to start? No. He had his Van Halen, his Eddie Van Halen. Oh, he did. On. Yeah, he went on the. Uh, <laughs> he went off on uh, Eddie right from the start. The salute to Correct. Eddie there at the yeah. start. Yep. And then Ralph Russo from the APS met his top three guitarists. And he had yeah. Lost a classic rocker. Yeah, and he, yeah, I know. I know no one who is as committed to their particular genre of music exclusively as Kyle is. Uh, I don't know if you remember a story I told about an Eddie Van Halen T-shirt yesterday, but I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so yeah, he spoke for 28 minutes. I watched it, uh, the entire thing, and all the coaches there did. So I think Kyle is appreciated for his. He's very conversant and very uh, – it comes natural to him. He's very good at give and take in conversation. And he remembers little things about your situation that uh, so he can pop if he knows it and he can bring it up. And so I think he's very good, but he doesn't have the national profile that Herm has because of Herm's TV career. He was basically a TV celebrity for over a decade. And so – that's why they're having SC and, and the Devils kick it off. But I think that uh, that's something that you probably want to be in that position to go with a 10 o'clock game here. Now, it's not as bad here, as you said. Obviously, in the West Coast, it's an hour earlier. And then in November, you have, uh, so you'd have four teams that would be in the mountain time zone because the two Arizonas at that point are in the mountain because they don't change their clocks. So... Uh, a 9 o'clock West Coast in November would be a 10 o'clock kickoff in uh, Tucson and Tempe and obviously Colorado and the Utes. So I think you would want to be in that position because that means you have a really good team. If they do it in November, it remains to be seen how much they will do it in November. But this conference has to adapt or well, the well, gap is going to continue to grow. That's the thing the uh, where the conference can kind of help massage it a little bit is so you know in November you've got those four uh, those four schools that can host it's a little later it's not as hard on the fans and all that can you send a marquee game there and you're certainly not I don't think you're going to get that much pushback from fans on a November kickoff for a marquee game in Boulder and in Salt Lake City. You know, because you, you, otherwise you risk just playing at night, and I would think the fans aren't aren't big on that at the end of the year either. Would, would fans really, would they, are, are, are you fans, are you really against that thing to have that 10 o'clock kickoff? Because I think it's a sign of respect if you get that. Yeah, they got kickoff. They know you've got to be, you know, it's, the, the marquee programs that USC and Oregon's are going to drive it. You may be able to beat them. Uh, you know, and, and obviously Utah at times has. They haven't been able to win the conference and all that. Uh, but I think as long as you're decent and you're playing one of those marquee brand names in the conference, I think it's a game the TV networks would be interested in. You know, it's if you really, you can't take a hit. And, and I guess that's the problem with going to Colorado. Does anybody want to watch Colorado play anybody when they're just no, routinely finishing sixth place? No. You know, if, if, you're, if you're six and four after ten games... And you're playing USC or Oregon, and you figure that, well, they're going to be in the hunt for something, right? Even if they don't win it, they're going to, I mean, USC didn't win it last year, but they were in the mix. They were 7 and 2 in conference. I think that that's the kind of game where the conference, if they put those games in November, whether it's, uh, you know, Arizona's too far down right now, but a November game at ASU or at Utah for one of the brand name programs. Uh, I mean, Washington, until they lost their coach, right? I mean, their, their coach was, uh, was a, Chris Peterson was a pretty big name nationally. And uh, now he's not coaching him, so it's a little different. But in the past couple of years, that game would have worked. And, and look at the reaction here. Yeah, I think look at the reaction here. Most people are okay with it. Brian says, this year I'd be okay with games in November, December. Those late-night games can get very cold. Steve says, I'm all for it. Whatever can get them the most exposure. Yes, I think Utah has a national program. I don't think that it needs to be. You're, you're looking at Utah as uh, we'll drag you along here. I don't think that that's the case. If Utah's 10-0, and zero, they're in. I mean, they had game day here when they played Cal. Yep. 
And so uh, their, was their that, program. Four and O versus four and O or something like that. Yeah, it was pretty Cal early was, in the year. Cal four and O was built on nothing. It was. Uh, yeah. But they've they've been to they've had game day here a number of times. If you're worthy enough for game day, you speak for yourself. It doesn't have to be Utah versus SC or Utah versus Oregon. Now it can't be Utah, Utah versus, versus Colorado, Washington State, who sucks. Yeah. You need two very good teams. But you, whoever it could easily be Utah and Washington, Utah anybody, Utah and the Devils. If Chip Kelly gets it going on, and Utah and UC Los Angeles, whoever it might be, that they're Utah in my mind is good enough. They're they're certainly good enough. Don't forget, the vice presidential presidential debate was held at the University of Utah campus. That's awesome. Could- we are big time. <laughs> It could still happen this year, you know. The uh, I wonder about the Utah ASU game week four. If that's the kind of game that they might, if they're looking for another game this year, if that's the kind of game that can go in that ten a.m. slot. Yeah, uh, this as I say, this year is going to be funky. Yeah, uh, it's more about the long term uh, to to build up to close the gap that appears to be widening. I mean, this playoff thing is just going to gnaw at the Pac-12 now. It's become an issue. You know, in the beginning, at least regionally within the conference, the issue was the direct TV. It's every time Larry Scott would make himself available, and I interviewed him in a group sit- setting many times over because he would either be here or I'd be with the Utes on the road. Virtually every stadium I've been to with the Utes and Larry, over time, over these nine years, has made himself available either before the game or at halftime. And in the beginning, it was always about the direct TV. Well, now nobody asks him anymore because it's like we've basically given up. Yeah. And it's just, it just awful. And I went ahead and got the Comcast. So I can, not so much for the football, but it's more for the basketball, actually. And then it's also so I can watch the stuff during the week to get more educated on the other teams because I'm busy on Saturdays. And so I watch all those 60- and 60-minute games that they put on with the no commercials and no uh, time between plays. They just edit it, and you can watch the game in the 60 minutes. So because I can't see all the games on Saturday usually due to work, I'm watching them during the week. So I actually pay extra uh, to make sure that I have that thing and I keep my direct because I want my Fox Sports Arizona. So I end up having two freaking systems. I just as soon have one and not have to have two, but I feel like for work purposes I need them. So that question doesn't come up. But now it seems like the new question is when are you going to get in the playoff? And Kyle was basically asked about it yesterday during his time. Uh, it wasn't direct, but I think that was that's the point. So until they get another team in there or get maybe two out of three or two in a row, that's going to be a prevailing issue. And the perception is reality type thing because they're not having a team in there. It's getting knocked on. And it's being a, a, a chip, a negative thing that people are using against it. So it's got to find ways. And if 9 o'clock a.m. is going to help you do it, I don't know that it is, though, but it's, it's worth a try as far as that goes. Brett, yes. New kickoff on the East Coast. Let's do this. 10 p.m. kickoffs are the worst. 10 p.m. Oh, so he's a West Coast guy. I mean, he's an East Coast Apparently, guy. Apparently, so, yeah. yeah I think he's jumping up and down on yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yes, absolutely. If you're rooting for a Pac-12 school and, and you have to live in the Eastern time zone, I don't know, work takes you there, whatever it is, uh, yes. Well, I've <laughs> heard that from it. BYU fans, too. It's yeah. not just Pac-12 because BYU is in a similar situation. They're not going to get that 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. start, but they're certainly going to get plenty of 8 o'clock starts. And if BYU fans, as we know, they're all over this planet, if you're living in New Hampshire, whatever it might be, Boston or New York, the bigger cities, that you know, you're having to stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning to watch your team. And I, I would imagine that's somewhat of a drag. For me, if I stay up for till 2 o'clock the next day, you might as well just waste it. <laughs> you're done. Because <laughs> there's no way. If I go to bed at 3, there's no way I'm sleeping soundly till 11. It's just not happening. There is the uh, the pushback here on the uh, youth sports. Scotty says, remember the fans have a hard time getting to early games. Pop Warner plays early as well as other youth sports. Um, yeah. That's true. That's an issue. I think it's a little less of an issue 
if the Pac-12 is scheduling the kind of games the networks want in November. It says, we can talk with Mark Harlan about this at 8.30, how much leverage you'll say, how much say, how much you can, uh, how much the Pac-12 can negotiate this and how much they can uh, work with it based on how they schedule Well, the irregardless, if, if Rice-Eccles is like one-third full, it's still a sellout. Okay, we can bring that up with him, too. <laughs> Cares about, I don't care about <laughs> he's that. Dying. He's dying. To, he's dying to talk about a section of silver they triangle. and then 100,000 people in a 40,000-seat stadium. I wouldn't. I, I care about what goes out on the field, not what goes on in the Just stadium. win, baby. Chandler, you're in or L. Davis. Okay, Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, will be here at 830. Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz. Coming up at 9. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Brian Fisher from Athlon Sports. Granted, the level of competition hasn't been great, but where are you at on the BYU hype train? I'm on the bandwagon. I don't know if I'm uh, right in the front seat, but I'm definitely closer to the front than a lot of people. I mean, look, we understand the level of competition and factor that in, but um, it's all about playing who's in front of you. And, and BYU has done that you know, quite well. You know, Yes, the focus is always going to be on Zach Wilson and, and the quarterback position and throwing the ball around. But I've been very impressed with the defense. They, they have certainly taken care of business and, and done what they've needed to against some very different uh, style offenses. And, you know, really up front, um, you know, one of the strengths of the team has always been, you know, in the trenches. And I think they're, you know, certainly one of the better power five teams uh, in that respect. And we've seen that so far this year. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Got multiple questions up on our Facebook page this morning. The debate, MLB playoffs, or something else, what was dominating your life? You got more choices than I have. You got like four games tonight. Ryan said, I watched the debate. It was actually pretty good, like a nice lemon sorbet palate cleanser after last week's anchovy truck and Limburger cheese train car head-on collision. Ah, man, politics is nasty. What do you expect, man? I had no problem with last week. It was an anchovy truck and Limburger cheese train. Wow, that is some... People say there were no winners. People say, well, Colin, there were no winners last week. (laughs) Bull crap. There were two winners. Daniel says, MLB, of course, the Oakland Athletics survive. They showed some grit, PK. Showed some toughness. They could have rolled over. They did, but the problem with that is that the debate was not on at the same time on that one. John says he DVR'd Blue Bloods. Is Blue Bloods good? Yak, have you seen it? It's got Tom Selleck in it. I've Tommy never really T. watched it. Yeah, my wife watches it. It's got um, one of the Wahlberger brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Tom Selleck, I mean, he played in Japan. Which movie was that? Is that... um... It's a baseball movie. Tom Selleck was playing in the Japanese leagues. Hmm. Go look it up. I know, but I can't think of the name. I can't think of the name either. I know what you're talking about. Uh, Sayonara, I think it was. Long live the mustache. Scott says Dodgers, of course. Got a lot of Californians here. All we about do. the Dodgers. Yeah. Are all the Dodger fans up here Laker fans? Does that just go hand in hand? Uh, well, from from the L.A. area, yes. Are the Angel fans Laker fans? It's a mixed bag there. I know a couple of Angels fans who are not Laker fans. Uh, so the Do- yeah. all the Dodger fans are Laker fans, but not all the Laker fans are Dodger, Dodger fans. fans. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, that's... Obviously, the Dodgers and Lakers, they play minutes apart, literally like right. two or three miles away, especially, you know, they're downtown. But the both of those teams have... They're so expansive areas and encompass so many people. It's it's hard to get from the southern end of the metropolitan area to Dodger Stadium, especially on a weeknight. It's impossible. I mean, that, that would that would be a chore on a weeknight. Oh, it's hours. Yeah, it's hours, man. And you, you see those shots of the freeway of uh, it's the harbor that slices through downtown, the one ten, 
and it's just jammed at all times, man. I, I told you that uh, it works perfectly now that they've gone one media day for in July. If the Dodgers are home, sometimes they're not. But if they are, the thing ends around <clears throat> 4 o'clock, and the first pitch is 7. And it's probably from uh, where they have it there on that uh, mall that they've been doing it at the last few years. It's probably 10 miles. Well, that gives you just enough time to get there and get a hot dog by about 6.30. It's about a two-hour drive to get there <laughs> to the uh, to the stadium and park and get to your seat and all that stuff because it's just it's just outrageous. Just one one of the things that <clears throat> I think that really plays to the Jazz advantage is that you don't have to just arrange your whole day around commuting to go to practices and games. And here, you know, particularly if you had a family, you can go to they do the shoot around practices at what start at ten or so, and you can do it, and you can get back and forth, and then go home. And then still be at the arena by 4 or 5, whatever it might be, whatever your individual schedule is. And it's not a massive chore. I would think that would be an advantage. Whereas some of these places, you know, once you leave, you're not going home again until midnight or so. Because it just, by the time you got there, you have to turn around and come back. And I think it plays to your Yeah, I don't think that's just a Laker thing. I think, uh, you know, I think the Warriors Warriors are dealing with it. Yes. Traffic is just horrible. I I have a friend friend from college who does TV in San Francisco, and he couldn't believe that, like, I could do the 6 o'clock news and get to my kid's baseball game in the avenues and and be sliding into the seat. And I missed the start, right? But I'd literally be there for the third batter or fourth batter of the game. And he's just like, man, once you once you cross the Bay Bridge, it's over. You're gone for the day. That's it. It's just done. You're not, That's what you're I'm talking not, about. Not it's going not back exclusive to Los Angeles by yeah. any stretch. Those are those are little things that I think matter to folks. You can actually live in Park City, and still Joe Johnson used Joe to live Johnson up there. Did, yeah, I think I think he was in Deer Valley, and so he and he had he had kids, and and he that's one of the reasons that you can enjoy. What this community has, it's a little thing that I don't think people really realize. You know, and the big thing is is money and playing time, obviously, and so and winning. You know, all those things. The money, yeah, let's not kid ourselves. Money freaking matters. But those types of things can really play to, to the advantage of people. Because I just don't think everybody wants 24-hour a day, seven days a week nightlife. I, I just think that's so overrated. These guys can get they can get that. Plus, you're on the road half the time anyway, so you can get it there if that's really what you want. I I I, I just I'm going to debunk that theory. I told you yesterday two theories I will no longer tolerate is the Ute football programs this gutty little overachieving program. No, it's not. It's not. It's not anymore. Forget that. That that thing is out there, well, Salt Lake's out in the middle of nowhere. Well, Eugene isn't exactly driving <laughs> metropolitan area. Who's flown to Portland and driven to Eugene? I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's a little bit of a haul. Right. <laughs> that's Corvallis. Yeah. Right. Those places are out of the way. Pullman, forget it. You know, obviously you've got uh, Tucson. You've got some places. And Tucson, yeah, it's a smaller community. Well, yeah, Tucson, Boulder, and Salt Lake, there are actually some parallels. None are exactly the same, but there's some parallels between those three places. Yeah, except Salt Lake is right in the middle. I mean, yep. it's just it's minutes away. Boulder's, a, mm-hmm. you know, from the or uh, Colorado airport, it's a decent haul. It is. Uh, but still, you're not that far away once you're there from Denver and Fort Collins to the yeah. north is a really nice place and, and all that stuff. But I just think that uh, for the Utes, they have so many advantages that I don't think people really realize. And I think it's I think it's a sign of disrespect now when you get national folk call it about – they almost – they gush too much about what Utah has accomplished. And it's almost – to my, in my point of view, it's insulting. It's like, wow, can you believe that this little program has done this? No, yeah, but that's not the anymore. Whole, that's the whole power five, group of five snobbery thing. And college football, the, the traditions and the reputations, they change so slowly. 
you know, which could be good and bad. You know, I mean, you can be Texas and you can just just for a decade be tripping over yourself. But people are like, Texas, you know, because it, it just changes so slowly. I would agree with that. But Utah has changed the perception. They're a legitimate big time program. They're not this underdog that somehow has to figure out a way to beat you. Nope, they're going to line up and they're going to play football. And there's a decent chance they're going to win. All right, DJ and PK, we got some more uh, nominees coming in here. Justin watched the new Adam Sandler movie on Netflix, and it's got a werewolf, he says. I just don't like Adam Sandler movies. I watched that one. Not his best. What's his best? Happy Gilmore. Okay. They're too goofy, man. I don't really like slapstick. What was the one where all the friends get together with their families? Growing ups, that's Growing a ups. decent one. Yeah. Some... And, that, and yeah, that's the, see, and I agree with Yach. It was decent, but yeah. that's the extent of it. It's never penetrating. It doesn't pierce your soul. Doesn't make you think. You don't come away thinking, "Man, I laughed hysterically." Adam Sandler is one of the great ripoffs of our generation, <laughs> and more power to him. I think we. Got I have more respect gonna... that he's able to do it. Social media might have a field day with this one. B minus, and he keeps cashing checks. <laughs> yes, I, I, he's a hero of mine. Don't get me wrong here. He's cashing big because checks from Netflix. Because what he's doing is genius. Even though it doesn't work, I don't get how it works, but nevertheless it does work, and he's living high on the hill for what he's done. He's carved out, and he's had the Hanukkah song, which is just an absolute classic. I mean, he rhymed, Rod Carew, he rhymes with something. I don't even remember what it is, but somehow he gets Rod Carew and Jew, remember? Boom, you got a hit. That's crazy. Uh, here's a couple. Steven, he says, no interest in the debate. Since the Twins got eliminated in the first round, no interest in Major League Baseball. I'm just going to sit here and mindlessly scroll through Facebook. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you think you'd be used to the Twins getting eliminated in the first round since they've lost 18 consecutive playoff games? Uh, yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> Candace, hard pass on everything. I just clean stuff instead. Okay, but by Thursday, then everything ought to be clean. Unless you're living in an estate the size of the Sniggledorfs, come on. (laughs) Uh, Man, the power of TBS. We've still got people, Al and uh, Chris, the Braves, exclamation point. (laughs) And that's just the power of TBS beaming them into their homes nonstop. Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy. Yeah, coming through. Do you know who was it? Man, I know we got to go to break, but oh man, who is it? I got Elton John said he he was a big Dale Murphy fan. Really? I, I got I got a story to tell, and I can't remember where I heard it, and I got to find it. I got something to do in the break, so don't bug me. All right, sweet. PK will work on that in the break. He'll come back with an Elton John Dale Murphy story, and then Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director, at eight thirty. Stay with us.